invite you to remain standing. Our scripture reading comes from the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 17, through chapter 2, verse 10. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, but the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. Good morning. Um, before the choir sings a tribute to the armed services, I would like to thank everybody who has been part of the military. And I want to say, if you uh, recognize your song from the branch that you are a part of, please stand so we may recognize you. And towards the end of the piece, we'll sing America the Beautiful, and all are welcome to stand as you're able. Before I begin with this morning's message, if I can invite you to turn your attention to the screens, uh, there's a brief video on Jonah chapter 2. Jonah's efforts to avoid going to the dangerous city of Nineveh led to him being swallowed alive by a giant fish. Clearly, Jonah's attempt to avoid scary situations had not gone according to plan. Now alone in the belly of a fish, powerless to do anything to save himself, he did the only thing he could. Pray. Jonah called out to the Lord, saying, You threw me into the deep, dark waters of the sea, where all your waves and breakers crashed against me. It seems that I have been driven away from your sight, but I will look toward you and your holy temple again. Jonah continued his prayer, saying, As the surface rose higher and higher, Seaweed wrapped around my head, dragging me down deeper and deeper until I thought I would sink into the earth where I would stay forever. Just when I was sure that my life was about to meet a watery end, I remembered you, Lord, Jonah said. My prayer came to you, into your holy temple, and you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Even though Jonah had disobeyed God, he had saved him from drowning. While Jonah knew that he wasn't completely out of danger, he was alive. Jonah thought, people who worship false idols don't know the steadfast love of the Lord. Such people don't know what they are missing. People like those who live in Nineveh. 
Suddenly, Jonah understood the mission God had sent him on and why it was important for him to take God's warning to them. Jonah said, With a voice of thanksgiving, I will do what I have promised to do. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spit out Jonah onto the dry land. A grateful Jonah was now ready to carry out his mission for God. Jonah was bound for Nineveh with purpose in his heart and a renewed trust in God. morning is our second Sunday in our sermon series where we are working through the Old Testament book of Jonah. Last week we looked at Jonah chapter 1, uh, where Jonah has been given the message from God to go to the Assyrian city of Nineveh to warn them that if they did not repent within 40 days, God was going to destroy the city. And so instead of going in the direction of Nineveh, you all know the story, Jonah went instead in the opposite direction, and he booked passage on a ship to the city of Tarshish, which would be kind of in southern Spain today. Along the way, the ship hit a storm, or a storm was caused by God. The sailors began to throw everything off of the ship until Jonah told them, you need to throw me off, and the storm, the waves and the storm will be stilled. And so they threw Jonah into the water, and the storm ceased. After they threw him in the water, Jonah 1.16 says, they immediately offered a sacrifice to God. This is the sailors. Because they realized that the God of Israel was to be feared, respected, and worshipped. And so the sailors came to believe in the God of Israel and the God of Jonah without ever having him really preach to them. Without ever him having invited them to repent. But the sailors believed because Jonah told them what he was doing. He told them why he was running from God. He told them what God had wanted him to do. And basically Jonah brought the message to them of God and his power even as he ran away from the call that God had placed on his life. And Jonah spoke of God's power with certainty. As he told the sailors, knowing that as he was thrown into the water, that once he went into the water, the storm would cease, the winds would stop, and the water would calm. And so how the sailors received the message was up to them and to God. Jonah couldn't control how they received his message. He couldn't control how they received his testimony of the power of God and of the might of God. Jonah couldn't control how they received it. All he could control was what he did, was telling them about God and was uh, in letting them of know who he knew God to be. And so in last week's message, we ended the, the sermon with really a question of how often do we withhold or stop ourselves from sharing about God out of fear for how it's going to be received by someone else? We also answered that question, and I hope it is freeing for us to consider that the way someone else receives the gospel is not up to you. Jesus gave us the Great Commission. He gave us the Great Commission to share of his ministry. Jesus gave us the opportunity to participate in his work. And he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. What he didn't do is place on your shoulders the responsibility of how someone else receives the gospel. That's between them and God. And so the only thing that you and I can be accountable for is how we live out our faith, it's how we fulfill the Great Commission, and it's about how we live 
and share Jesus and the work of God in our lives to others. And so in our scripture this morning, we shift gears and we find ourselves with Jonah in the belly of the fish. And if you think of different illustrations or expressions of, of this part of the story, I think there are a number of reasons why we think that, that it might have been a fish or it was a large creature of the deep, depending on your Bible translation, or some translations say it was a whale. And the first reason I think we, we think it's in some way is uh, a problematic is I think, you know, I mentioned last week that some people think that the story of Jonah is just a metaphor. And it's just like how Jesus used parables to, to tell stories to the people that, um, that the book of Old Testament, you know, basically the book of Jonah is a, is a parable. But I think that it's not a parable, and I think that, that God has worked, and I think sometimes we tend to discount the supernatural when we read the Old Testament, because we ourselves have not necessarily experienced the supernatural in the way that we read it. Same with the Gospels. You know, it'd be easy to discount the, the work of Jesus and, and Him being the Messiah if we read some of the new supernatural or miraculous things that He has done and we uh, weigh and base our entire faith and our entire belief in Him on whether or not we've seen the same for ourselves. And so I think in Jonah's story, it's kind of similar to that. I think people choose to, to describe the beast that swallowed Jonah as a whale because of scientific reason, we're looking strictly through our scientific lens as we're looking at that. We think of whales because, well, whales are the largest thing in the ocean today. And so logically, we want to be able to consider something that we can only find a skeleton or some other physical evidence for. To give ourselves proof, to give ourselves a rational explanation for the story. We don't like the gray, do we? I mean, we like gray when it's like, good or bad. We like being in the middle of that, but we also like gray, when, but we don't like gray when it comes to, to things like this that, that we want real proof. And so without a skeleton, without some physical thing, it becomes difficult for us to, to think of anything in Jonah's story, and so our tendency might be to discount the story itself. I think the other reason we talk about it being a whale is simply because what's the best thing to draw in a children's storybook? It's not a fish, it's a whale, isn't it? How many board books do you all have, or can you think of from when you had children yourself or grandchildren that you read, that it's a biblical, uh, a Bible story book, and, and you read it, and the picture that it showed for the story of Jonah was Jonah with a whale. Whales are easy to draw. They're big enough to have a man in their belly, and I also think part of it, do is just culture. You know, if you look, um, you know, in, in Pinocchio, who eats Pinocchio and Geppetto? Monstro the Whale. What about the Herman Melville classic, Moby Dick, the, the great uh, whale that, that terrorized the ships of the Atlantic, the whaling ships? Well, you know, and so, so we picture a whale in our minds because that's what's written about in, in fiction and, and in illustration and in movies. But I think what the most important part that you and I can, can take from this, from whatever Jonah is in, is what we have to look at and the reasons included in the Bible is because God wants us to see what Jonah did when he was in the belly of whatever this animal was. Because I think the priority for what God wants us to see is the transformation in some degree of what happens to Jonah as he goes from someone who runs from God, who does not want to offer the grace that God has given and, and, and tries to, to do something else to where he finds himself in the belly of this animal, of this whale, of this fish, whatever it is. And so what he does first is he prays. 
And I think as we read the story, I think our first reaction as we read it is to think that maybe Jonah feels like he's hit rock bottom. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> all right, so I have to say this. We took selfies of all the kids. If anyone wants to take a selfie in the whale out there, you're, you're welcome to do so. Um, but all the kids at VBS took a selfie, and, and Garrett got in there. Everyone else made scary faces, and Garrett prayed. And then later, Tice did. And Tice, they were there at separate times, so it was kind of funny. It was kind of neat that it was the two of them that did that. And so there they are. But all the rest of the kids are going to get pictures of them and their whale uh, once we get them developed this week, and we'll send them to them. But um, I think what we need to do is what we need to see is when Jonah found himself in a perilous place, the first thing he did was communicate with God. And we might look at him and we might think that Jonah was at rock bottom. But I think it's interesting, if you really look at his words, does he see himself to be at a place where he's rock bottom? Friends, I don't think so. I think he sees the belly of a whale as an opportunity for him to be delivered. And for an opportunity for him to be rescued. An opportunity where he is weighing uh, the potential of what else would have happened if he had been thrown into the ocean. He could only tread water for so long before slipping into the water. And so I think what he saw is he saw God's action in sending this fish to put Jonah in the belly of this fish uh, to be the better situation to what the other alternative would have been. And I think Jonah saw the miraculous presence of God even as he recognized and even as he realized that God was using this, this thing to keep him alive for three days so that he could go and he could fulfill his purpose and he could fulfill his mission and he could fulfill the commission that God had placed on him. The worst thing in this story is actually the best thing, isn't it? Because Jonah's still alive, which means he had the opportunity to serve God and to go to Nineveh. And so Jonah's recognition of, of this blessing that God had given him influenced his prayer and in the way that he prayed. I mean, if you look at his words, he says, In my distress I called to the Lord. He answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into, your, into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you, O Lord, brought me up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Friends, I think what we can learn from Jonah's example today is we can learn and we can see that how often when things don't go necessarily the way we want, how often is our first reaction not to pray? How often do we choose to do other things? We choose to react differently. We choose to, to complain or to lash out or to, to, to do whatever our first reaction or our first inclination is. How often in our hard times do we get so inwardly focused on ourselves, on our trials, on what we are facing? 
that we make ourselves the idol that we look at, we make ourselves the thing that we worship, we make ourselves the only thing that we worry about. It's pretty easy to do, isn't it? It's pretty easy for us to do because, you know, we're, we're dealing with these things and we're facing these things. And I think what we can do is we can look to Jonah's story and we can see that in Jonah, what we would consider his worst time, he used that time to be in prayer. He used that time to first thank God for his rescue, to thank God for his protection in the depths, to tell God that his reaction or his action for God saving him would be for him to go and to fulfill what God had told him to do, which was to proclaim salvation comes from the Lord and to go to Nineveh and to fulfill the message that he had been told to do. See, Jonah offered this prayer, and there was no guarantee that what God was going to do, that God was going to do what he asked, right? Jonah prayed. He didn't know that at the beginning of his prayer that in three days God would cause the fish to spit him out on the beach. He didn't know that as he carried his prayer that God would even hear his prayer. I mean, he could be assured that God would hear his prayer, but, but it, he didn't know that, that God was going to act on his prayer and keep using him. Jonah prayed not knowing the outcome, friends, and that's the only thing that we can do in our prayer lives. As we can pray for healing, we can pray for intercession, we can pray for guidance, we can pray for whatever it is that we need to pray for. And we can do so knowing that God will hear us and God will work and God listens without being guaranteed of what the ending is going to be. Because God hears our prayers. Jonah wasn't guaranteed any more of the Lord's protection. He wasn't guaranteed anything. But he oriented himself in prayer. And that's the only guarantee that you and I have. Is that God hears our prayers. He hears your prayers when you are in your worst time. He hears your prayer when you are in your best time. And all we can do is develop in ourselves the habit of prayer so that it becomes our first reaction, both when we hear the good and also when we receive the bad. We need to be a people of prayer so that when our first action, our first action is when something happens, it's to turn it over to God. Even when we don't know the outcome or even if the outcome ends up being not exactly what you and I are praying for. But we can pray. And in Jonah's words, we can pray from the depths. We can pray from the unknown. We can pray. And we can know that God does, will, and always can hear our prayers.